Josh Way. And I'm Ben Eggleston. Welcome to our podcast here at Shutter Speed Media. This is a podcast for people interested in video and photo production in the automotive industry. Our goal is to share, educate, and entertain you with stories, experiences we have, plus bring on guests to share their experiences in this field. And Ben, you know, we got a good guest today. He's a guy that I have admired for a long time and followed his work for, for many years. Um, many of you listening probably have heard his name or seen his work because um, he works with some of the biggest names in the industry for automotive manufacturers and aftermarket um, manufacturers and magazines and you name it. Um, and uh, hey, yeah, I'm so, excited to see where this goes and hear more about his story. Sweet. Um, so yeah, I'm I I'm a commercial photographer myself, so I've been watching his stuff naturally just uh being inspired for many years um so without further ado webb why don't you introduce yourself uh hey so <laughs> i'm uh webb bland i'm a uh car photographer and uh, and have been since 20 no 2007 six i don't know a, a fair few years um nice and uh yeah i i uh just specialize in photographing cars. Somehow I've made so, that a living. <laughs> so Webb, you've got, um, I've got a unique last name and you've got a really unique last name, but you've, you've in incorporated your last name into like the photography name of your business, which I've always thought was pretty creative. Um, not bland photography. Is that, is that just something you just came up one day, um, and thought it was a good idea and tell me how that kind of started out. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, before, you know, I was, you know, more of a designer, and I was trying to figure out ways to stand out, and uh, the idea of, uh, sort of, you know, bland designs or bland photography uh, kind of bumped me out. <laughs> I figured, you know, do a little play on the uh, my old surname and do uh, not bland. I feel like it's, it sort of explains my work and also is a little bit memorable when you're handing out business cards, so... It's yeah, it's certainly memorable. Three. <laughs> so, um, before we get into like depths of photography stuff, tell me a little bit about just kind of who you are, where you came from, um, where you grew up. I'm, I mean, just a little backstory on on uh, who Webb Bland is here. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, from New Orleans, born and raised. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm thirty. I think, right? 36? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm 36. <laughs> um, and you know, once you're past 30, it, it ages like, who even cares? Um, yeah, it doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've been, been shooting, uh, you know, since 07-ish. Um, and uh, uh, grasping at more definition of who I am. I don't <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you started in photography in 2007-ish. You said you started before that being a designer. Tell, um... Yeah, it's actually interesting. I'm actually, I actually went to school for design as well. So, sure. So, no, I I went to uh, the Savannah College of Art and Design, SCAD, in Savannah, um, and I majored in uh, in graphic design. And uh, in three years into my four year program, I realized that I did not enjoy graphic design nearly as much as I thought I would. Um, and so uh, on the on my on my free time, I started photographing cars. Um, top here at the time was really big, and uh, I've always loved cars, always loved photography. And a buddy of mine in college was also in that world, and sort of uh, blending multiple um, sort of inspirations and and uh, motivations. Sort of sort of following that sort of uh, path, and realized that there could be an actual. Uh, career in this if I sort of marketed myself in a way that made sense. Um, so did you always love car stuff though? Was cars always something you were interested in or, or you just saw an opportunity with Top Gear and that opened your eyes to car stuff? No, I've, I've always loved cars. I mean, my, uh, my dad, um, you know, throughout his life, he's owned 30 or 40 different, you know, rando muscle cars and things like that. Um, you know, it was buy, fix up, restore a bit and uh, sell and get the next one. Um, so that, you know, I grew up around cars. Um, 
and then, you know, just any regular little boy growing up, you know, seeing cool cars, getting themselves to those as well. So I always had that love. Um, so I, I feel like I'm for sure a car guy. Uh, it, you know, if something goes wrong with the car and I pop the hood, I'll be like, yep, that's, that's an engine, all right, and just say it because I'm a professional. I'm not like a mechanic car guy. I'm just like a design aesthetic car guy. Um, for sure. I think I think that shows in your work, too. I mean, you you forever, as far as I can remember, back just always were really good at capturing, you know, the essence of the car, the design of it, rather than just like the action shots or like, you know, the, the huge motion blur shots that, that we've always seen. But I've always appreciated seeing the art of it be brought out so well in some of your work. But um, so the, the focus on cars was right from the beginning in your photography career. And as a, as a funny note, I was recently in uh, New Orleans, New Orleans, however you want to say it. <laughs> yeah. um, and, okay. and dude, I was reminded of you because I think I randomly came across the spot that you photographed that was, was the black CGT done in, in, uh, New Orleans. Yeah, that map black RGT. That was uh, that train yard. Yeah. Yeah, I randomly drove by that one day, and I was like, "This looks so familiar. Where did I see this?" And then, like, after some more thought, I was like, "There's a CGT here," and I, I was like, "Oh, that's a web photo." Um, so that was kind of a cool little thing. I was like, just randomly driving by, and I was like, "This is sweet. I found it." You know. Um, I, I've experienced that myself, driving out in the desert and glancing over and be like, I feel like I've been here. What the hell is going on? I realized that a uh, top gear photographer shot a, a lime green Gallardo or Huracan or something out there. And I was like, oh, shit, I, I've actually found the spot. I think of all the places right. in all of Death Valley, I randomly drove past this one warehouse going, oh, shit, I've been here kind of. That is crazy. I mean, I I think you're you're probably a lot like me in the sense that you spend a lot of time just – researching locations and spots. And I think that a lot of photographers probably look for the same types of things on Google maps. And then we end up exploring a lot of the same spots. So I've definitely come across other spots from other photographers as well throughout the country and random cities and stuff like that too. So it is, yeah, no, it is always time. funny. When, whenever um, I'm driving, I, I find, uh, I mean, not, you know, actual road trip I'm paying attention, but like when I'm driving around town, I feel like, 70% of the time I'm driving with my peripheral and I'm just like looking everywhere trying to find potential future spots. Um, and I'll if I find something yeah. that works, I'll just take like a general whatever photo on my iPhone um, so it geotags it so I can go back and save that later. A hundred percent. I totally live that same same life. I was in um, California last like last year, December or something and with my wife and I'm like, we rented a car. It was like a fun vacation for us. And then I ended up, you know, I ended up exploring so many spots. Like, baby, just, just one little, uh, one little detour here. Let me check a spot. Like, oh my gosh. So she, uh, she gets annoyed, but it's just in. Oh yeah. In our no, blood. It's a problem for other people. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so, so getting on to some photography stuff, I, I first was really attracted to some of your work and followed your work. Um, I think back when you first, shot those um those lamborghini shots are ones that i think of the the bright orange murcielago sv and that green uh gallardo those two shoots were really the the one i can remember first kind of coming across your work and being being impressed and stuff but uh that that was years ago i don't know how when that was a pretty early yeah on. that was uh I think that would have been '09 potentially. Uh, the, the, it was yeah, it was that the Murcielago LP system with Super Veloce that at the time had been purchased new by Carlos Slim, who one week earlier had just become the wealthiest person on the planet. Um, so I got Whoa. to photograph um, his car, but also uh, folks in the dealer weren't available to drive it for me. So I also got to drive his car ahead of his delivery, which was terrifying um don't want to do that ever again <laughs> just, you know, just having like i mean hey if, if you damage it though like he can cover the cost so i yeah. feel i feel like you're okay you're probably in safe hands <laughs> yeah sure but i mean you know from from factory to dealer to him it's gonna be immaculate and you know it was but still having that responsibility was terrifying um 
Yeah. So, so Webb, that brings me to an interesting question, though. Um, one we've we've discussed in a previous episode here on podcast. I mean, insurance is obviously very important in our in our profession, but everyone out, like you're describing here, everyone thinks that we're like super lucky because we get to drive some cool cars occasionally. And while that's true, I, like you said, it was terrifying and. I get to drive some cars often too, where it's like, do I have insurance or do I not have insurance right now? And walk me through that situation. Cause I'm assuming you didn't have like deliberate in insurance on that shoot then for like driving. So how do you work that in now? What, what have you learned? Uh, that was, did we, I can't remember if we delivered it. I think it was on a flatbed when we delivered it to a location and from location within the spot I was shooting, I drove it from, you know, composition to composition. Um, but it gotcha. was, you know, under two miles an hour at all times. But still, it was a, a, a gravel road, essentially in the Everglades, um, middle of nowhere. So less than ideal driving situation, like going through potholes and things at like a mile an hour. Fine, right. but still terrifying. So I was driving, <laughs> but it wasn't like flying down the, you know, the Audubon or anything. Um, sure. But still, being being responsible for somebody else's car, let alone that type of person's car, is uh, not fun. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's exhilarating and it's and it's, and it's yeah. In the, in the moment, it's fun to like, oh, I'm driving this, but like, nah, not again. I'm good. Uh, yeah, right. I didn't have insurance. Totally. It was um, it was just uh, a little day shoot for the dealership. Um, so we're on their behalf. So it was a, uh, it was just a little quick uh, low speed thing. Um, so for that shoot in particular, it was, uh, it was a, um, not a, uh, a concern, but, you know, jobs yeah. since then, uh, big commercial jobs, it's, it's all insured. Right. So you obviously do you, I mean, on a big commercial job where there's a manufacturer involved or whatever, I mean, you usually get like a, um, uh, an insurance policy per the shoot, or do you just have something that you, uh, always just have as a liability over your business? I uh I have my producer handle all that. Um I uh well, there sorry, you go. That's he easy. does all the, the back end, all the, the sort of admin, the books. Um it's uh I'm I'm what's the word? Terrible at that. So I just let her <laughs> do everything. And uh so I, I can't weirdly answer all of the um the professional grown up questions, but like how cool are cars, I can answer those questions. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, whether we can um I have, I mean, moving on then is, I'm curious, what are the, some of like the key, key moments in your photography career that come to mind as like moments that shaped you as a photographer or your, your style or something that you just is, is notable and memorable. Um, give us, give us a couple of different scenarios that might've, might've changed things for you in the photography world. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I think uh I think one of the biggest honestly was it was a uh an opportunity that came up was amazing and then collapsed but in a way paved the way for one of the, the biggest compliments in my career. So it's um I shot years ago set I think it was two thousand ten. Um it was that that uh was it a wide body? I don't even know. It was a matte black uh, Challenger SRT8 with a blower engine. So it was this ridiculous, like, 890 horsepower nonsense Challenger. Um, Matt Black, same owner as the, uh, the Matt Black Bridge, you see. Um, and, uh, DuPont Registry reached out to me about doing a cover story with that car. And at the time, I had, had not been featured in magazines. So I was like, hell yeah, this is gonna be cool. Be my first cover. So I, I shot this thing full day, amazing, cool location, like it's overgrown. Um, uh, sort of like, uh, under, overpass, like under an overpass, um, out in like the boonies outside New Orleans. And, uh, sure. spent a whole day shooting some really cool compositions, um, edited for like two, three weeks, really proud of the shots, turned them in, and then DuPont Registry was like, eh, you know what? We're going with a different car. Thanks anyway. And they did not use the photos, did not get paid. And I was like, "Cool, this is a bummer." Uh, <laughs> oh, did you did you get to put them in your uh, portfolio though? Well, yeah, yeah. So that's just it. I was like, I don't want to release these on my own in case they do want to use them. 
and they, they ended up never using them. But, like, all right, I'm just going to release them on my own uh, like with, like, a new revamp to my website. So I did that, and uh, long story short, those photos have become my most reshared, stolen, whatever uh, images. Like, for years, years after the, the fact, they keep being shared. Um, and I think within, like, a week of me posting them, someone cropped out all my watermarks and my info, and then those are the ones that got reshared. So I think 90% of, of the people that have seen them have no idea even shot them, but whatever. Um, but Yeah, that's that's the danger of social media and and the blessing, but mostly danger. Yeah, but, yeah back in the day, it was much more significant. Now, you know, who cares? But, um, right. but yeah, like two or three months later, uh, I get an email from uh, – from the editor of Top Gear, or no, he was the uh, one of the one of the writers of Top Gear, um, and he says, uh, "I found one of these photos of Challenger uh, online. I had to do some reverse engineering to figure out where it came from to ask you if we can post this in an upcoming issue about SEMA. It'd be like a double page spread. Um, could we use this photo? Also, love your work. Uh, would you have any interest in shooting for us?" <laughs> I was like, "Haha." What a fun joke email from some dummy. This must be obviously fake. There's no way <laughs> Top Gear reached out to me to ask me a shoot for yeah. um, The photo got printed in the magazine. I was like, all right, so potentially this is real. And then uh, and I think it was like the first shoot for them was like eight months later um, when they came to the U.S. and they interviewed uh, Bob Lutz um, and they took the uh, the writer up in the uh, in his in his jet, and then we came back down and shot this cool Corvette ZR1 at the time, and and uh, yeah, it, it um ended up being my start at Top Gear, and I shot for them for for eight years um, as like a U.S. Nice. contributing photographer. Um, so that was that was an amazing opportunity that uh, was born out of a failed shoot for a different magazine. Um, so. Through that, I've learned that, um, you know, not every bad sign or, like, you know, failed opportunity necessarily is what you think it is. Um, yeah, I think that's... Just collapsing that's that. But, um, yeah, that's a great point, though. I think that, that, if anything, that's encouragement for people to just take opportunities when they come because you don't know where they lead, right? Absolutely. And, like, once you put work out there, you really don't know... Who's seen it? What you know? Who's inspired by what? What connections people might have? Who who gets you know motivated by your work and is like, oh, this guy'll be perfect for this campaign for whatever. Um, if, even if it's not the genre or the, the sort of uh, subject you're shooting for, you want to shoot for. Who knows what art director on Behance sees your work and then realizes you're perfect for whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I. I I'm giving advice right now that I myself can follow. It's, it's, uh, um, you know, to jump ahead in the interview, I, 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 uh, in the past two weeks or so, I realized that I haven't shot for fun for myself in about a year and a half. And I realized this like two years ago. I'm like, what? I feel like I'm burned out after a lot of jobs. And I'm not really sure why. And I sort of had to, peel the layers back and step back and realize that I've just been creating for other people. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I, I love my clients, but it's a lot of work that is not necessarily what I want to create. Um, yeah. And I've just been in that loop for, for a number of years. So it's, um, uh, yeah, I, I did a shoot over the weekend where I just shot for fun for myself and I feel awesome. freaking reinvigorated. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, well, hell yeah, man. Pre preach it for sure to preach you know <laughs> well yeah i mean just based on my my uh you know my social media presence which is it exists but it's not super active i mean that alone sort of spells um or you know says more than i can explain um i've been busy i've been shooting pretty much every month since even the, before the pandemic during the pandemic so i've stayed busy with work but I feel like I'm not pushing myself the way I wish I should be, um, you know, this far into my career. So, yes, clients are happy. Yes, I'm generating work. But it's not – feel like it's no longer at the par in which started and was, was you know, the trajectory that I was leading. So right. that's uh, – I don't know. I, I feel like even as, you know, someone in the industry for a number of years, I feel like we all have these pitfalls we fall into and 
And, um, you know, even just the basic advice of shoot what you like, put it out there, and who knows it's gonna, who's going to see it. Um, yeah, so di on your Instagram, is any of the... Have you shared any of the personal work you've done recently yet on your on your Instagram, or is it all work stuff like the Lincoln Project, all that Mopar stuff? That's all paid work on your recent Instagram. Yeah, feed? yeah, that was all that was all uh, work work work. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just shot a series this past uh, this past weekend. Went out into the desert uh, for just twenty four hour little trip. Shot eighteen hundred photos and came back. Um, Car stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, my own car. Um, it's it's gone through a uh, whole new um, version two overhaul. It's a whole new color, new wheels, brand new look. And this is sort of nice. the debut. Of the Mercedes. Um, so I uh, I went out there and shot some, and uh, I actually would like to return in the next week and do it again, do some more content out there. But um, yeah, I finally have a new batch of like totally re-inspired, reinvigorated, back to my roots. You know, cool cars and cool locations and cool compositions, playing with light, playing with color. Um, I feel like I've strayed from that because, you know, jobs are great, but jobs, you, you shoot for other people, you shoot for other art directions. So I feel like I haven't been pushing myself in that regard in, the, in a, a year or so. Um, so yeah. this hopefully will delve back into sort of direction where I, where I want to sort of take my career. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm sure, you know, you're kind of sick of maybe hearing about the pandemic. But since you travel so much for your photography, how has COVID affected your your uh, ability to shoot for a living and uh, travel abroad? Or has has there been accommodations, or have you just kind of had to sit at home or do local projects? It's uh, it's weirdly it, during the summer even it's uh so. It's a, Right off the bat, I didn't slow down. Um, over the summer, I did. I was doing like three to four times as much work as I've ever done at any given time uh, during the pandemic. Um, at one point in June, I was multitasking on six different projects simultaneously. Usually, it's one, possibly two. Um, so things got super crazy. Uh, they've, they've leveled out now, which I'm thankful for. But I, I stayed pretty busy throughout, I mean, state, I feel like past tense. Obviously, the pandemic is not over. It's hopefully waning, but it's, it's not, uh, you know, peak scary numbers like it used to be. Um, right, right. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, I have stayed and continue to stay busy, um, which is great. I haven't been able to travel abroad, obviously, but um, like the Lincoln Project was uh, a lot of road trips. <clears throat> That originally, my vision for that was to do a lot of uh, talent-driven uh, lifestyle stuff where I could be traveling with uh, talent and shoot more um, natural, organic work. Uh, but with COVID, that obviously went off the table, so I had to do a lot of solo road trips. And then, like, the last one I did it was with some, some friends. But, um, yeah, that, that, you know, the art direction for that shoot changed from shooting with people to shooting just the car by itself. But aside from that, I still traveled all over, still drove the car, you know, 12,000 miles or so. Um, That's cool. And your Mercedes, it, it's still driving the Mercedes, right? Still have the Mercedes, yeah. Still going strong, yeah. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Um, I remember watching your kind of move from the Dodge Durango to the Mercedes, and you did some cool <laughs> stuff with that. I was like seeing the, the personal work with your own cars. I... I that's definitely something I don't do well. I've got a Porsche Cayman, and I I don't get out to shoot it very often, but I need to. Yo, isn't that crazy? I, mean, I was just talking to another friend who just sold his car. He had a BMW M3 or M4, just sold that. He's like, I've had it for a number of years. I don't think I ever shot it once. I think as, hmm. as car photographers, I guess you'd be like as an architectural photographer. You know, if you live in a cool house, but that's your job. You're like, I don't want to shoot my own place. Like, in fact, it's the same thing. Right. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it helps to have a cool car, you know, but even then. Yeah, you got to have a car that you that you enjoy more. You know, I, I'd rather have a car that I enjoy driving than I, like, you know, rather than wanting to get out and shoot it all the time. I I, I get in my car and it's like my sanctuary. I, I just enjoy being there and I forget to drive because it's sort of my escape 
um, weirdly. I mean, I love cars. I love I love the look of my car. It's 13 years old now, but it's like, yeah, it's sort of my escape. I get in and I kind of forget to shoot, which I think is sort of a good thing maybe, but um, yeah, I also don't have pretty mountains uh, readily available like the my friends on the West Coast do, so I'm a little jealous of that. Um, <laughs> off the top of your head, what's something that's just – What's a crazy hurdle you've had to overcome on a shoot? Uh, maybe where something just went terribly wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I want to take this as like an educational moment for anyone listening. Like, what's it like to cope with, you know, changing uh, plans on the spot? You know, like what's something you've had to deal with that it was just like, oh shit! Like, what do I do? Uh, yeah, that happens like every job. Um, you know, <laughs> a lot of people. I mean, I guess this is for industry people, so industry people get it. But like. Anyone listening in after the fact, uh, things can get real sideways real fast, um, and not like in a dangerous way, just like, you know, a lot of these cars that I shoot are pre-production, so they're all hand-built. This is, you know, this is ahead of robots being built to construct cars, so they're all hand-built um, and uh, built to look good for the shoot, and then by the time the car reveals at an auto show, it's the actual thing. It's built to look rad and, and perform. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of the cars that I shoot are just, like, very daintily put together. Um, some can't drive over 10 miles an hour. Um, some are rolling clay models, don't even have interiors. Some are powered by, uh, golf cart motors. They don't even have an engine. Um, right. <laughs> they're, you know, from the outside looking in, and looks like this million-dollar whatever, and then, you know, you get in, and you're like, this is real janky. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, sometimes, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name specific cars, but I'll name a couple instances of, that have occurred. I was doing some tracking stuff. I was hanging out of a tailgate in a minivan doing some, some low speed drive, uh, car to car driving work. And, uh, I needed like, you know, front three quarter, uh, dead front as it chases us, um, rear three quarter as I'm hanging out the, uh, you know, the front driver. Um, and I'm, I need like, you know, probably 30 or 40 minutes of just this big oval drive that we're shooting, just, you know, just the same sort of repetitive background. And I need, yep. you know, probably, probably 10 more minutes of work, and then suddenly uh, the camera car comes to a complete stop, and I'm on the radio, like, uh, hey, just keep following me. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we can't go. The, uh, the transmission just fell out of the car, so we got to stop for the... Uh... Just fell out of the car? Out of the car. Just, yeah, just out of the car. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah, and I, you know, these the pre-production cars, they're, they're all insured for like a million plus, so that was a, wow. that was a, uh, a game ender. <laughs> we had to just do some static stuff to that and details and so on. Yeah, oh, wow. Well, yeah, shit happens. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's whatever. I had, a, I had an assistant one time, uh, the, the, uh, the battery died in the car within like the first 30 minutes of shoot. Um, it's a brand new car, and the, the idea of the the, uh, the shoot with the document, the, um, the new lighting they, they designed. Um, and so without the battery on, we couldn't power the lights, so we had to jerry-rig something. So we got, like, the right side of the car's headlights working, and then that's all we did. So, like, three hours of troubleshooting with the mechanic on set, that's all we could do. So that I can shoot plates of the right side working from every conceivable angle and height and lens, and then I can use that to mirror it and flip it for any shots in Photoshop so both headlights sure. are on. That can, yeah, a whole lot of complicated work, but you, you, you've got to work it. you got to make it happen. Yeah, you got you got to you got to roll with the punches when it's like this is like the one chance you have to make something happen or if like there's – you know, the weather is coming in, too. Add that on top of it. And then, oh, the car is uh, broken or, oh, we can't do this or can't do that. Um, I think that's that's the mark of a photographer who's good is who can roll with the, roll with the punches and, and get the shots done at the end of the day no matter what. Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like you've been through it on a few. Well, I'll, I'll continue with that story real quick. Because the, the battery had died, we lost power steering. The entire job to move the car, we had to push it. Um, and then we had to have someone sitting inside and wrenching the steering wheel to, you know, to, to, to move the car around. Two days of that, because the car was very densely put together, um, 
I'm, I'm setting up the camera about 100 feet away, telephoto shot, and I hear my assistant go, uh, hey, Webb, uh, what do I do with this? And he had stepped out of the car holding the steering wheel. <laughs> he had <laughs> all the wrenching. <laughs> he had uh, shattered the steering column, so you can just re- connect the steering wheel, the column, it had, it had pulverized. We couldn't do that. So from the rest of the street, all we had to use, um, uh, what was that, like needle-nose flyer to, to grip the center core and turn yeah. wheels that way. Um, yeah, that's, you know, standard pre-production car shoot situation. <laughs> oh, man. Things happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. Well, I don't know if I can top anything, anything like that. That's that's crazy. I, I haven't shot anything with pre-production cars, but um, it sounds like a headache. It, yeah, it's, you know, but it's rewarding when you get it all done and shots look great and no one knows any difference. Right. Um, you've done a lot of collaborations with people, whether it was on a job or, or uh, like a personal road trip thing I've watched over the years you've done with with people like Easton Chang and, and uh, like Richard Pardon and, and others. And the results from those personal trips have always been awesome. What, what do you think is so important about just collaborations for creative um, juices and whatever else you think? I, I'm curious what you think about all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been lucky enough to, to shoot alongside some awesome photographers. Um, I mean, Fundamentally, first things first, I, you know, they're all, we are all technically the competition. If we shoot cars and you also shoot cars, you're technically the competition. But like, who right. cares? I'd rather be friends with people first. And if we have an overlap, cool, I'll give you work, vice versa, who cares? Doesn't matter. I'm not competitive at all in that regard. So I, I really like being friends with, uh, you know, a, a lot of my peers, a lot of my, uh, sort of competition. So, um, so Ethan Chang, for instance, he was one of my OG inspirations, you know, back in 07. Um, so yeah. thanks to social media, I was able to message him online, and we became close. And uh, he was able to come out to assist me um, out here for a Fiat job, I think it was, like a Fiat Alfa Romeo job. Um, yeah. And uh, so that was cool I to meet him. And then... Um, we did that trip in Europe with uh, Fred Schlosser and, and, and Easton as well. Um, that was right. a 10-day drive through uh, Germany, France, Italy, and Switzerland. Um, right, I remember that. Uh, yeah, that was cool. It was Audi. Um, and that was, you know, they're just... That car, that trip was with that red R8, correct? Yeah, we we uh, we approached a couple of different car manufacturers, and Audi was the most interested, and they're like, uh, spec out whatever you cars you want on the website. If we don't have them in the press fleet, we'll build them. So we did like a uh, R8 V10 Plus with every carbon fiber option and whatever nonsense things we could think of. And at the wow. end of the time, the Audi S3 had just come out to do the same thing with that. And uh, uh, I believe they, they built the cars for us. So we had like, you know, a couple of kilometers in the clock and that was it. We got these things brand new. Dang, dude. That's like, that's some power. That's, that's really cool. I mean, the, and the results were incredible i remember just just gushing over some of those shots that you guys got which were super cool yeah it was, it was a fun trip for sure um and the cool thing about that is is uh you know I, i've gone on record saying that easton you know easton's been the inspiration for so many like hundreds of car photographers like you know our sort of generation our era um yeah and uh so i got to go on this trip with one of my greatest inspirations and Frederick has gone on record a couple of times saying that I'm one of his inspirations. <laughs> like this, this trio of, of, you know, mutually inspired photographers who fundamentally were friends first. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, so that's, that's been cool. And then, you know, most any other, you know, again, like our age, our generation, uh, sort of grown up with social media, car photographers, um, for the most part, I feel like I'm, I'm friends with a lot of guys. And, um, yeah, it's been cool just, you know, uh, just being casual friends first. And then, like, after the fact, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're like, we're both internationally renowned people. It's weird to casually mention someone's <laughs> name and people are like, wait, you know him? Like, hey, who cares? That's what I'm saying with the right. to, to Richard. He's a dear friend of mine, and we've done all kinds of, you know, just life trips together. 
and yeah sometimes well it just seems like whenever collaborations happen like with your with you and your experiences it seems like great results from from all the parties involved always always come out and it seems like um because yeah i've battled with the same issues like do you be close with other photographers especially in your own like area because you feel like they're competition or is it better to just treat people as as friends and and be open and stuff because um you know there, there's arguments to both sides but I, i'm definitely liking what you're saying and and results can be great and um camaraderie is is usually even better so i like it yeah i i um i i mean you know it, there, there's only i don't know i feel like life is easier if you're not threatened by or threatening to other people so i'm i'm 100 percent on board with being friends with even like direct competition, like stealing jobs competition, like I'd rather still be friends with them first. If they get the job, that's cool. Um, and if I can't take a job, I can pass it off to someone who can or is like more skilled in this particular genre of photography than I am. Um, I've done that a couple sure. times, but you know, had like good money potentially come my way and like, you know what? I'm not as skilled. You can have much better results with this friend instead and take the job that way. So. Yeah, you could have done it. You could have probably got okay results, but you passed it on because, you know, you felt like the client would have gotten better results than somebody else. That's that's pretty noble, dude. That's pretty noble. I like it. Yeah, it it's. I, I'd rather you know. I'd be struggling to to achieve a look that I know a cup friend specializes in anyway and can do it effortlessly. And I mean, maybe the client doesn't know about them. I'd rather a buddy get the job that they specialize in and. Maybe you know years down the line, if they have a job that works on my behalf, you know, it's just it's, it's not even about you know karma or whatever. It's just about like you know I'm not potentially the best fit for every job. I'd rather pass it off to somebody who is, I mean, who might need work more than I do. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it just seems like common sense. Nice. No, I, I I like that. I think that's I think that's a really good thing to to put out there. And like like you said, karma. Maybe not all about karma, but but. It's just the question of rights and wrongs and making sure that people get what they want uh, as far as clients. And, um, yeah, I think I think there's something to, to say for the karma action, though, because, um, you know, hopefully the more more nice you are and, you know, niceness you put out there that uh, maybe things will come back around. But um, sweet, though. I like it. Um, so you work with all sorts of cars, um, but money aside, jobs aside, who's paid you the most or what jobs or what manufacturers you've worked with the most aside, which cars in particular or brands do you gravitate the most toward as far as just you enjoy shooting this car, this brand for for whatever reason? Which, which ones are your kind of like your favorite, your go-tos? Um, <clears throat> so my bread and butter is is uh, it's FCA or now Stellantis. Um, and so through that umbrella, uh, the most fun I've had is through Dodge and SRT. Um, you know, I, I joined them in 2010 um, when, when the, the, the car industry was coming out of sort of their, their near bankruptcy or, you know, after bankruptcy. Um, right. 20, 2010 onward, I started shooting for, for all the, uh, the, you know, Fiat Chrysler, Dodge, Alfa Romeo brands. Um, and that's when all the Hellcats started coming, like 2014 onwards, all the Hellcats started becoming a thing. So I've been fortunate enough to, to, uh, shoot these North American and, and global debuts for all the, uh, the Hellcat and Trackhawk and whatever, with the Demon and, and all the, all the cool nonsense muscle cars. Um, I've got to shoot all those, you know, for for the the global debuts. Um, Sweet, a hundred percent the most fun. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, we get to shoot some cool locations. We did that that, that airplane graveyard for the uh, the wide body charger. Uh, losing track of what all the names are, but yeah, the, the wide body charger for ninety two and Hellcat. Um, yeah, we did the airplane graveyard out in the desert where I shot that out east as well. Yeah, I was gonna say the same place. Yeah, it's in isn't it Arizona, I believe. Uh, no, it's actually California. It's it's, uh, it's like ninety minutes from LA. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the Mojave. It's the 
Mojave airports um, and like spaceport. It's uh, they they land airplanes out there and tow them out to the uh, the graveyard and strip them for parts. And you can you know provided you have a permit, you can go out there and rent the whole facility for a day. And uh, that's wild. You know, basically do whatever you like out there. You know, short of blowing things up. But uh, yeah, that's cool. So so if it were your money, if it was your money, let's say you got. Let's say you got a quarter million dollars to spend, up to a quarter million dollars to spend. What what would be in uh, what would be in Webb's garage? Up to a quarter mil. Oh man, that's so hard. Golly, <laughs> um, I don't know. I have I have. I mean, there, there's there are some like I like really unusual atypical shit, um, and I, I can think of a couple. They're like perfect for this, but each one is about a quarter so it's not going to work. Um, I'd have two bicycles and an Aston Martin Vanquish the Gato shooting brake. That's what I would have. No, I'd, uh, okay. let's see. Um, golly. You, you, you'd have to have a, you'd have to have a Viper in there somewhere, right? You, 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 Actually, all no, I love talk. the Viper, but it's not, it's not copper, copy from like 25 for me. I adore it, but I, maybe like an ACR, I don't know. It's it's not it's not uh, weirdly it's like all Porsches you know I've I've been <laughs> that's that's now you're talking my language you're talking my language with Porsche <laughs> I I uh, I don't think I I can never see myself driving a Porsche I have nothing against the brand I think they're awesome but I've just never gravitated toward them as much as other cars. So, like, that's, you know, the, the go-to obvious choice for a lot of people are like, meh, I'm all good. Um, so, yeah, it's like one of my biggest dream cars in the world ever for, like, the past, you know, 12 years is the Audi RS6 Avant. And now that they're stateside, I don't know what to do myself because it hasn't been this impossible thing for, you know, the past number of years. Um, yeah. A buddy of mine actually just picked up a Nardo one, so i got to shoot that soon. But, uh yeah, that's always been a dream. Um, it feels weird saying that now because they're, they're now going to be a common, quote unquote, commonplace car. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it was it was fun knowing that this one little goofy thing that Americans don't get was a dream. Um, well, they are seriously impressive. Those cars, though. Um, let's see what else. Honestly, I love the uh, the BAC Mono. I shot that for Top Gear a number of years ago, and that was a dream. Um, but those are, I think that would probably eclipse the, the 250 number we're talking. Um, yeah. But uh, so RS6 Avant, um, I would say, sheesh, what's a, uh, you know, man. You got a two-door on the list anywhere? Uh, I, if it fit within the budget, I would do a, um, a legacy uh, power wagon, um, when this, this lifted 1940s retooled uh, <laughs> work truck, but yeah, okay, they knew they're about 200, so that's not going to work either. But that's always been a dream. Um, yeah. Uh, shoot. <laughs> that's all good. That's all good. 250 is a hard number because there's so many cool things that like just come under. Um, right. I get sort of uh, economical. Let's see. I would take. Uh, I'd take, like, a Mercedes 190E. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the the Evo is the one I always have my heart set on. Dude, the Evo, too, 100%. Yeah, I've only seen one. Yeah. Real, I've seen a couple body kits, but I've seen one real one. I almost wrecked my car. Um, <laughs> oh, you saw it on the street, then. I, 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 I was so close to shooting one for real, but I, I missed that chance. But I then saw it in person later on, and it's proportionally that car is just – just unbelievably gorgeous. It's, yeah. it's the sexiest box ever made. It's, it's absolute perfection. Yeah. I have you know I have that little that little spoiler wing on my GLA forty five and it's like the closest homage I can possibly achieve. <laughs> That's a one ninety one Yeah. I, I, I would say, you know, maybe like a what was that uh oh, the aerial nomad. It's like the aerial atom but the off road version. I would do like that. I would have a weird eclectic nonsense garage of stupid things. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be like a 911 and a Ferrari. It wouldn't be that. It'd be the unusual. I, I, I've always wanted like a just a warehouse full of power wagons, just like the CTSV wagon and E63 and like the the M5 wagon that we never got. Like it would just be that. Yeah. Like you know, 14 ridiculous like shooting brakes and wagons. And Dude, 
we're we're in the same um, brain space then because one of the things that I've always wanted to do and few people have done it already, but I would definitely do it if I had the money. I would just make myself an M3 wagon in a heartbeat. I would just make it, you know, have some shop build it for me and put all the parts together, get a wagon, put all the M3 parts on it, fab up what I needed to and just make it for me because that's what I want in life really, really badly. Yeah, 100%. It, why, yeah. you know, why Americans don't buy wagons and hatches as much as the rest of the world blows my mind. But, uh, you know, it's like a sexier SUV. What's not the love? I, I, I've had that debate with so many people. It just dead ends because people just, they just want SUVs. It's, it's like they're being told by a evil force. I don't get it. Yeah. It's upsetting for sure. Yeah. Well, Hey, um, last week, you know, changing topics a little bit. Last week we had a guest on who is a photographer, obviously. And we got into the kind of the weeds a little bit about CGI, you know, rendering and how uh, it affects the photography world. And Josh has a pretty opinionated uh, viewpoint on it. Maybe not. Maybe it's not opinionated. But the other uh, photographer has dabbled in it and CGI and, and kind of likes to do a blend of photography and CGI. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hugely powerful. And uh, obviously, it's, it's now inexpensive, it's more commonplace, it's more realistic. I mean, between shaders and renderers, it's, you can get it essentially down to absolute realism on a home computer with minimal effort. Um, so, yeah, obviously, it's... Uh, it's, you know, it's not going away. It's for sure going to keep getting stronger. I know a lot of brands just do CG. Um, uh, the brands I shoot for, thankfully, don't. Um, and uh, a lot of the PR stuff, uh, you know, the whole point is to show case new cars. So, um, or so it should be car rather. Uh, so to, to show that it's a real thing, they use a real car. So thankfully for, for my clients, for the most part, it's, it's straight away from CG. Um, which has been good for me as a photographer. But having said that, yes, it's, it's absolutely, um, you can, you know, create any world you want. You can create any lighting situation you want. Um, it's definitely the way forward, uh, to get rid of photography altogether. I don't think it's going to happen just because there's some things that would be too time consuming, I would think. Um, you know, go shooting on location, shooting, uh, talent with whatever. I don't know. I feel, I feel like, you know, industry pros listening to this are like, this cousin not know what the fuck you're talking about. He's clearly wrong. So, who's to say? In my experience, I feel like photography will still exist forever. Um, but I feel like, yeah, it could easily be eclipsed for the next few years um, and just have every brand doing uh, doing CG. Is, is it something that you've dabbled in yourself or is it something that you've kind of waited to roll in where it really starts affecting you where you're like, I have to jump on board or find another profession or do you feel like you could, you know, have some friends show you how to do it? No, I've, I've dabbled in the past. Um, I, I very nearly in college majored in the uh, visual effects. So I have a, a light background and I've done it more, more recently, not with car stuff, just, uh, you know, playing my free time to, to burn away the time during the pandemic when I had some free time. So I've been, I've been screwing around with PG. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, I, I, I don't have any qualms. I don't have, I'm pro CG, especially incorporating with real photography. Um, you know, just having a couple HDRI domes and you can do whatever you like and create just freaking magic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an yeah, interesting I, debate. I, I, you are all for it. I, I think it's, I think it's an interesting way to, to uh, create the things that we can't, we can't get in reality. Like, Obviously, I'm going to use Richard Thompson as an example of the way he mixes real photography with those just insanely out-of-this-world environments that he uses, like he renders out, or in some cases, it's a blend of things. Um, I think those are really cool ways of using the technology that is so readily available nowadays with rendering. Um, but but I'll definitely be sad when uh, every, every new car ad is just a a fake, you know, and I, I think that it's cool that some of the brands you work with have stuck it out and believe they just have a belief system that, um, real is, is the right way to do things right now. And, um, 
I obviously am sort of siding that way too. So I, I hope that there's plenty of work for me in the future without having to change gears and learn a whole new, uh, learn a whole new, uh, editing process, but yeah, it's, yeah. um, yeah, it, it's, I'm with you. Um, I, yeah, I would not have a problem blending the two either up until now. It, it's not been a, uh, a desire of mine to, uh, to dip into it because I'm, I'm still comfortable and still, uh, you know, still having fun with photography. But, um, you know, I've done bids for jobs where, uh, where it would be just shooting backlights or, um, shooting a, uh, a standing car with the idea that it would be replaced, um, in, uh, in posts with the PG car. So, you know, obviously it's, I'm, I'm pro that I'd be able to, to shoot whatever's needed. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not been a, for my personal project, it's not been a, uh, a driving course right now. I'm, I'm not pretty happy with doing just good old fashioned OG boring fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for answering that. I was, you know, just curious to, to kind of see the consensus amongst photographers as we start talking to more and more of them. So thanks. Sure. So, um, I think that's been, uh, about, all I got on my list, uh, Web. Is there anything else uh, you feel like mentioning in today's podcast? Uh, no, I'm sure when I listen to this, I'll have regretted everything. But uh, <laughs> not that. Have all I'm good. Regretted answering more things, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, there's I, always I, more to talk about. Maybe we can, if you're interested, have you on in the future. I, I know I'd be, uh, I'd be thrilled to have you back on. But we'll wrap it up today. It's been uh, about long enough. Um, so. Today, we've been talking to Webb Bland, a extraordinary um, automotive photographer, one that I've always watched um, his, his portfolio as it's grown over the years, and it's, uh, it's always inspired me. Um, if you haven't or if you don't already, um, go ahead and give him a follow on Instagram. Um, I believe it's uh, at notbland is his Instagram. Is that right, Webb? That's the one. It's uh, right. a little dormant right now, but I'll have updated stuff soon enough. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, I think you're going to um, find some inspiration there with Webb's work. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for us today. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Webb Bland. And uh, come back to us next week where we're going to have another great guest on discussing more about this wonderful world of automotive photography and videography. Um, that'll do it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having you. Thanks for not having me. Thank I'm Ben. Peace out. I don't yeah. know. Peace out. <laughs> All right. That is it. Thanks you for listening to Shutter Speed Media. We'll yeah. talk to you next week. Peace Bye. Out. Cheers, guys.